Today I'm going to be preaching um, on this series theme that you have on the front of the bulletin that is celebrating a new thing. And today we're talking about how you engage a new thing. And for the rest of this series, there's a centering verse that I'd like to uplift from Romans, or Revelation rather, the 21st chapter, the 5th and the 6th verses. Jesus speaks these words and let them help us to center this sermon series on a new thing. And the one who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Today we're going to be looking at a familiar story from John's Gospel, the fifth chapter. The first 18 verses tell that story. But I'd like to offer just a little bit of background to this story that is about a man who was lame for 38 years. Not 39, not 37, but 38 years, the Scripture says. And I want to offer this backdrop in that There was a festival in Jerusalem when this took place. We don't know exactly what festival it was. But we know that because it was a festival, there would have been many people in Jerusalem, including pilgrims who had come there to be on a a spiritual journey. And this was also taking place at a gate of Jerusalem called the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate was the gate uh, that... um, Uh, people would bring the sheep into the city to the temple where they would be sacrificed. And so this gate was a gate that people went through on their way to the temple. It was a gate of people who were coming and going from the temple for worship. And the other thing that's mentioned is that there is a pool just outside this sheep gate or just inside. And that pool is called Beth Zetha. And around that pool, there are five porticos. Now, by the pool, in these porticos, there were people, the scripture will tell us, who were invalids. They were blind. They were lame. They were people who were paralyzed and people who had, had other sicknesses and maladies. They were there not so much to be healed, but they were there to beg for alms. And this was a good location because the Jewish law required that you give to the poor, you give alms to the poor. And so there these would be stationed, including this lame man, lame for 38 years, to beg for alms. So with this caveat, The man by the pool who had been lame for these many years was begging, maybe not expecting to be healed. Maybe that hope of being healing had long since passed, but he was there for a reason. 
Let's open our Bibles to John, the fifth chapter, beginning with the uh, first verse. John 5, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there was a pool called, in Hebrew, Bethzatha, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he was, had been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, The man who made me well said to me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your mat and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is still working and I also am working. For this reason the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath but was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This lame man's life was the life of a beggar. He'd been carried to this place and he was lying on a mat or a pallet. Now I imagine this mat probably had uh, two wooden uh, handles on the sides. The mat was wrapped around these handles, uh, kind of like a stretcher, because he would have to have been taken there by several people to be there in that strategic place to beg for alms. I, I wonder what he did during the day, how he took care of himself, who fed him. How did he get water? 
And there he was, maybe not there every day, but this was a festival day, and he was surely going to be there on that day. For him, it would be business as usual. Not much hope, not much of a life, not much of a future. Jesus comes and asks him a simple question. Do you want to be made well? Do you? In other words, Jesus was asking, do you want to have a new life? Are you really seeking a new thing for you spiritually? The man's answer was yes, but. And following that but were excuses. For this man, it was, yes, but, I want to be made well, but I have no one to put me into the pool when the water gets stirred up. Yes, but, while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. What we don't know is that if this man had ever seen the water stirred, what we don't know if anyone had really ever beaten him to that stirred water. What we don't know if people really did come out of that water and were miraculously healed. We, we don't really know that. That man was not there expecting a healing that day. He was begging for alms. In fact, it had probably been a long time since he had thought much about a healing. Because the water was his only chance and the odds were really bad that he could get into the water ahead of anybody else if that's the way you played that game. Have you been where this man was? Not seeking a new thing because the old thing had become a way of life. Think about it. Have you been where this man was, not seeking a new thing because the old thing had become a way of life? Have you ever been in the midst of a, of, of a job or a particular circumstance and, and, and it, it, hadn't, it hadn't been fulfilling for a long time and, and, and yet you, it's business as usual? Yes, I'd find another job, but. Or have you ever found yourself wanting to quit a habit or recover from an addiction? And you find yourself saying, yes, I'd quit or I'd get help, but. Or maybe it's a relationship. And you know that it needs to be better. And it has become the same old, same old. And, and you find yourself um, even dealing with forgiveness perhaps and the lack of forgiveness and the need for forgiveness. And you say, we could go to counseling, but... Or we could forgive one another, but... but What are those things in your life 
that you find yourself making excuses about and not turning over to the Lord and, and engaging in a new thing, which is what the Lord presents to you, a, a new thing. And do, do you hear, as that man heard that day, the, the first question of Jesus, do, do you really want to be made well? Do, do you want to have fulfillment in life? Do, do you want to have a newness in your, your relationship? The second thing that Jesus asks, actually he proclaims. After he asked, do you want to be made well? He says to this man, stand up, take up your mat, and walk. There is a point in which we have to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit and do what we believe God is telling us to do. Now, I can just imagine this beggar hearing Jesus say, stand up. He, he really wasn't there looking for alms. He really just wanted, or, or uh, healing. He really just wanted alms. And, and here Jesus comes bringing up this healing thing. And, and he says, stand up. This man had long since quit hoping for a healing but funny, Jesus would raise that question when the man hadn't really thought about it in a while. Jesus wasn't even standing there when he decided to take Jesus up and stand up. It said that Jesus had gone into the crowd. Now we know that he was healed immediately, but, but what did this beggar, what did he experience? Did he feel a tingle in his legs? And he said, whoa, something's happening. Or, or, or did Jesus just drift away and he start thinking about it? It must have been something about the way he looked at me and, and that he would bring that question up and that he would ask me about whether I wanted to be healed. And then he told me to stand up so... What do I have to lose? And he stood up. And he took up his mat. And he walked. And then comes the problem. It's the Sabbath. And according to the law, no one would be really allowed to, to do work on the Sabbath. To, to carry the mat as Jesus had instructed. And, and the religious Gestapo come on the scene. Now let me say a word about this. In John's gospel, unlike the other gospels, whenever you're talking about the Pharisees or Sadducees, you're talking about the Jews, according to John. Now this could mean those who are in Judea as opposed to those who are in Galilee. Or it could just be a shortened word for Gentile readers that these were the, the Jews. But it means the religious leaders. They see him carrying that mat and they call him out. 
Now, now we know we could read the law and we would know the things that you weren't supposed to do on the Sabbath, uh, like work or like walk a particular length of distance. But, but really nowhere in the law does it say you can't heal a person on the Sabbath. Thou shalt not heal a person on the Sabbath against the law. And, and Jesus had taken the authority to do so and furthermore to tell the man to take up his mat and walk breaking the Sabbath too. But the thing that really irked them about Jesus was his relationship with God was one that he called God Daddy. Not just Father, he called him Poppy. He, he, he had such a childlike way of referring to God because of that intimate relationship that he had with God. It was a new thing for them to hear and it wasn't one that was accepted. Don't you find it amazing that these religious, especially these religious folk, wouldn't have said about this man who'd been sick for 38 years, my goodness, you're walking. Oh, it's okay that you're carrying your mat today. My, you got to get it home some way. And it's unbelievable that you're walking. But no. The law had been broken. And the law stood supreme. Now the next scene we have in this scripture is that Jesus goes to the temple and at the temple he finds this man who'd been sick for 38 years. And, and since the, the man didn't know who to thank because he didn't know Jesus and Jesus had drifted into the crowd, he didn't see him again and and, and yet he knew that he had had such a blessing in his life. The only place for him to be was the temple. The temple where he could give God thanks and praise for this healing, this new life being made new. That's where he was. And when Jesus saw him there, he said, See, you've been made well. You took me up on it. You stood up and you took up your mat and you walked and you walked right here to the temple. What else could he have done? His heart was so full of thanksgiving that, that he knew that he at least needed to give God thanks and praise if he couldn't thank Jesus. And then Jesus said one more word that I want to uplift. After he acknowledged you've been made well, he said this word, do not sin anymore. So nothing worse happens to you. I think the sin that Jesus is talking about in this particular text is perhaps the most misunderstood theological concepts that we have in the story. Jesus said to the man, the same thing we've heard him say after many other miracles throughout the Gospels, go and sin no more, go and sin no more. But what does he mean? 
I think we misunderstand what Jesus is saying. If we believe that the sin that he's referring to is a sin that made this man sick in the first place. Or the sin of his parents that made him sick. Remember Jesus taught the disciples this person isn't sick nor did his parents sin. That's not why he's sick. Jesus would say the same thing here. If you think that Jesus was talking about a sin that caused his sickness, we've misunderstood what Jesus means by sin. I think we also misunderstand what Jesus meant if we, we hear him say that and we, we think that he means don't do anything wrong anymore for the rest of your life or something worse is going to happen to you. Why would we expect Jesus to think that of any of us? That, that we get healed and, and all of a sudden we, we, we're not going to ever sin for the rest of our lives. We're never going to stray from what God would have us do. We're never going to need God's grace again because we've been fixed forever and ever. And I, amen. And we misunderstand Jesus if we believe that this man's future, Jesus believed, was solely based on his ability to be faithful. Any understanding of sin along those lines is a complete misunderstanding. When Jesus is talking about go and sin no more, he's not talking about sin that I like to say with a little s, which would be those things that we do that are not in keeping with God's will and way. But Jesus was talking about sin which is separation from God, which is when we, we stray or leave a relationship with God. What Jesus was saying to this man is, go and never be out of relationship with God. Go and never stray from God. You're going to fall, you're going to stumble, you're going to stray, but, but, but don't leave that relationship with God because it's only based on God and who God is for you that you can be well. Only in relationship with God can we possibly experience true healing, true wholeness. Only when we're in relationship with God can we engage this new thing. Some of us are here today needing to engage a new thing. I can see it. Some of us, spiritually speaking, especially just feel like we're going through the motions. Same old, same old. Some of us have nearly given up on anything being able to change and especially become new. Some of us have given up on uh, those aspects of our life that we know are broken and God could heal. The question is, do we hear Jesus say, stand up? Do you really want to be made well? Well, stand up. Take up your mat, your burden. Leave it with me and walk.
Can you think of a time in your life when you were in the midst of same old, same old, and God visited you with a new proposition? As soon as I read this passage in preparation for this sermon, I was taken by the 38-year thing. I was 38 years old when I first stood in this pulpit. I wasn't lame, but I was scared. I'd been the pastor in Tyler for four and a half years. In fact, that's the only amount of time I'd been a senior pastor. Tyler was my very first appointment as a senior pastor. I'd always been an associate pastor. The best job in the world, by the way. I knew Lover's Lane had big needs when the bishop called me. I didn't know much about the church. But the more I talked to him, the more I knew that there was big needs here at Lover's Lane. And after that first visit with the bishop, I started hearing these voices in my head say, you can't do that. You better not do that. You'll end up a failure. Don't do that. It'd be too hard. It's in another conference. You don't know anybody there. They're not going to like you when they get to know you. And at the same time in Tyler, there was another church in Houston that was needing a pastor because their pastor of 30 years was retiring. And my bishop had called me and said I was going to be his pick for that church. And it was a nice church in the suburbs of Houston. We were familiar with the church. We were familiar with Houston. It was one of the largest in our denomination. It was in a conference that I'd grown up in. Lover's Lane's pastor that preceded me, Bill, had only been here two and a half years. And there were some challenges related to loss of membership. There were some challenges related to our facility. There were some challenges related to reduced staff to kind of fix things financially. And after several meetings back and forth and me trying to convince everybody, including myself, I wasn't coming here. I called a meeting in Tyler of our staff parish relations committee. Strangest meeting I've ever had in my life. I started the meeting by saying, I have a decision to make, and I need you to know I'm leaving, but I don't know where I'm going. And, and tearfully for the next hour and a half, we talked about these two churches and the what-ifs. And one of the members of the staff parish committee spoke up and said, Preacher, I know where you need to go. You need to go to that Dallas church. The need is greater there. And it was just like hearing Jesus say, stand up. 
take up your mat and, and do something I'm calling you to do. Walk into the future in Dallas. I want to tell you something. Whenever you, you hear Jesus talk to you, either through someone else or in the depths of your soul, Jesus rarely says, oh yeah, take that easy way. You, you don't want to do that. I mean, you don't have what it takes to do that. You, you, you need to just do this same old, same old thing. Jesus wants us in the place where we're most dependent upon him. The place when we realize we can't do it on our own. We can only do it if we acknowledge that we can't and that we need help. Divine help. What are you facing today? What, what are you facing? I pray everyone here will hear Jesus say in some way or fashion stand up take up your mat and walk amen